I want to talk about suddenlies. How many like suddenlies? How, how would you define a suddenly? <laughs> Something kind of fantastic, right? <laughs> Something that's a big time deal, right? <laughs> uh, and Jesus was pretty good at suddenlies, wasn't he? Everywhere he went, it was like all of a sudden something happened. All of a sudden somebody's received their sight. All of a sudden, all of a sudden somebody was raised from the dead. And um, it was a demonstration. You know, Jesus actually said this about himself. He said, I'm here just to do the will of my father. And he, wherever he was going, he was doing these suddenlies, but he was doing them as a man. He was actually doing them according to what we are now capable of. Uh, it sounds kind of presumptuous almost, but that's how he said it. He said, you're going to do the same things I've done. Um, there's, no, there's no really any difference between us. And so, um, you know, sometimes when you're looking at Jesus, it's like all of a sudden he just started doing all this kind of stuff. And I'm going to look into how suddenly he's are prepared for and positioned for because they don't just happen. And a lot of times there's a long period of time that precedes it suddenly. It, it appears like it just happened, like it's quick. But really, there was something going on for a long time that made that suddenly possible. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, everybody doesn't get in on this. It's, it's the ones that are really... Um, tuned in that really uh, are, are knowing. So we're going to look at what it takes to actually, it has to do with faith. But man, <laughs> after, after studying on this, these songs that we, I was singing, we were just singing, it's like, oh man, we don't really, I don't think it's possible. It's, it's not going to be possible for us to um, fully know Jesus. We get a glimpse of him, don't we? And it's, it's usually through a worldly uh, lens. It's what we're used to seeing other people as. In fact, the, the people that actually lived on earth with him, he's, he's the son of man and the son of God at the same time, but his disciples were living with him all the time. And here he is, the son of God. And they didn't know it. They didn't appreciate it. It wasn't until there was a suddenly that they were like shaken. Remember, they go up to the top of the mountain and, 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 and all of a sudden the glory comes down and it surrounds everybody. And, and what happened to Peter? I mean, he, 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 he passed out, didn't he? It's like he couldn't take it, right? It's too big of a deal for him. It was, and, and, then, and then there's an appreciation for who Jesus was that rose up inside of him. And still he was subject to not really knowing who he was and, and, and acting like it. Uh, and so we'll see how, how, how we've been given some help for this. Um, so I actually have this in our notes if you want to follow along. Um, so I'm going to let Daniel just do this for me tonight. I, I'm, and my wife rejoices in this. Um, so I want to look, in the, and part of this is drawing from our reading uh, this, this last week some. Um, I'm going to look at Luke 18. Uh, this was what, yesterday, I believe, um, and, he, and he's uh, given an, a, a parable here. He, he spoke, I'm going to start in, um, just in the first verse there. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. 
saying, There is in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then Jesus said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them how? Speedily. So when I'm thinking speedily, it's like I was at, <laughs> I took Tebow and the boys to the, the lake. Some little Latino kids came up and they, and they were watching Tebow swimming out there and I heard him say, rapido. <laughs> I'm thinking, is, that means fast, right? <laughs> okay, that, that, that's what my, that was my interpretation because that's the only thing I can figure out. But, but, <laughs> but when he's saying speedily, He's saying what, they're, what, what you're observing is a speedily, is a suddenly. It's something that's happening quickly. But everything that precedes that is a long drawn out thing, isn't it? And sometimes when I've looked at this before, I, I thought, well, why is Jesus using an unjust judge as an example here? And he's saying, you know, even in the world we do this. Yeah. And so instead of trying to relate God to the judge, we want to look at what the lady's doing. What is making the lady in a position to insist on going back to him? And, and, and then the last phrase of this, let me say this before, before I get into that. that when, the, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And so he's using this lady as an example of faith. Now sometimes in the faith circles, the ones that teach faith... There's this, there's this perception that we should just, our prayers should be very short prayers. All of our prayers should be very short prayers and only prayed once because otherwise you're not praying in faith. And Jesus in this example is given a little different perspective on it. There's different things that we can address once when we have authority. We can speak in authority. But then there's other things that we continue in prayer for. We continue in prayer for our country. We continue in prayer for our family. We continue in prayer for, for certain things. And actually, why do we continue in that? It's because we put ourselves in the position of this widow. Why, what was it about this judge that you could relate to faith? Okay, let's look at this next slide here. Faith, and let's just look at, at a, what faith actually is. It's actions that are driven by belief, right? So it's not enough to just say, I believe in something. If you're not doing anything, you don't really have faith. Because faith requires actions, doesn't it? So what is this lady doing? She's, she's acting upon a belief in a judge that's unjust, but she still knows that he has authority. She knows he has authority. She knows him. She knows something about him that she that motivates her to, do, to get in position to acquire from him what she knows she can get. Okay? So it requires knowing the one in authority. You have to know them. 
Now, man, I, I want to, the, the main thing I want to get to tonight is do we really know Jesus? <laughs> I, I think sometimes we can just say, yeah, I know, I know him, but Paul even said, I, I, I'm still pressing to know this. I'm still pressing to know, because, well, let me not get ahead of myself, but man, he, he's, he's amazing in this place right now. He, he's huge. He's, he's over all the other principalities. And there's, there's, some, there's some demonic and, and supernatural entities in this world right now. There, there's principalities and powers. And, and he's over all of them right now. He's, when you say king of kings and lord of lords, there's, he's, kings, he's king over other entities. He's huge. He's, he's, he's magnificent. <laughs> but... Our participation in who he is is limited by our knowing of him, okay? And, and then positioning to obtain what he can provide. So you have to know this one, and then you have to say, what am I going to do about it? How's it going to affect me, okay? So let's go to Luke 19, and that's, that was today's, okay? And, and this is, there's, there's a phrase at the end of this, but I'm going to go ahead and read through this. Remember what happened? Jesus is, has, um, he, he's entering into Jerusalem, and this is according to prophetic uh, things. A lot of what he did was to, to fulfill prophecies. But he's, he's going into Jerusalem. Before he gets into Jerusalem, they have this big parade for him. They celebrate him. They lay down palm branches in, in, the, in the road. He rides in on a donkey. They're celebrating. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? They're a big celebration. But as he actually gets ready to go into the city, he looks and, he see, and his heart goes out. This is the reason why he's coming. And, and these people... Even his own disciples, these people that are celebrating him, if you look and you see what they're, they're actually celebrating, they're celebrating the works of God. But they still don't know him. They don't know who he actually is. Because it will change who you are the more you know who he is. And, and, and they weren't, that week they're celebrating him, and the next week what are they doing? Run away, run away. Right? They're, they're, they're afraid for themselves because they don't really know him. So let me just read this because when he gets ready to go in, he sees, he sees the, the real condition of their hearts. He sees the blindness in their eyes, their inability to really see who he is. This must have been so frustrating for Jesus to be so full of the answer and, and to walk through this world that he's coming to save and for none of them to actually know who he is. Now they will, or they can, <laughs> but it will be those ones that actually desire and, and pursue him and, and, and do something about it. So let, let's, let's go ahead and read this. Now he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially in this your day. So when you're, when you're thinking about when Jesus is walking on the earth, these people that are in Jerusalem, this was the day of Jesus being on the earth. And they're completely missing it. You know, you go back and you wonder how many people actually in Jerusalem even knew about Jesus at all. You know, there were multitudes that were 
participating in this, but how many just missed out on it altogether, you know? If you had known that word right there, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace. Now, that, that word peace, what is it? Nothing missing, nothing broken. That sounds like some suddenlies, doesn't it? That's what suddenlies are for, <laughs> right? To bring restoration, to bring deliverance, to bring healing, to bring provision, right? He said, if you would have known, now, and, and this goes back to the prophets that preceded him. Remember the prophets all through the Old Testament? They're, they're always prophesying, come back to God, come back to God. And yet people's hearts are so cold to that, and that's why Jesus had to come, to, to, so we can get new hearts, so that we can actually begin to really know him. Um, but now they are hidden from your eyes. There's this, there's this seeing that's actually knowing and not just on an outside thing. Actually, it's understanding and knowing what we're seeing, right? For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And this is the phrase that really popped at me was because you did not know the time of your visitation. And man, I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? So, uh, so often we're looking back, we're looking forward, and we're not seeing that he's right here in front of us. He's, he, the, the greatest being ever is right here with us. And, and we want to look, look somewhere else and say, where else do, we, do I need to go to encounter him? And he said, I'm right here in front of you, Right? But the reason why this is coming upon them, and I'm, and I'm thinking this for us, it's like, if, if we're going through something, if we're, if we're not experiencing the peace of God, the, nothing missing, nothing broken, there, there's, it doesn't have to continue that way. Right. We don't have to feel condemned. Right. But are we really knowing him? Because he said, if you would know that he's here visiting with you right now. Man, I want to get a revelation of just how great the presence of Jesus is yeah. right now. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. If there can be a true knowing of that, then there doesn't have to be a missing out of, of these things. Yeah, we don't have to miss out on anything yeah, in him, right? right? But because you did not know the time of your visitation. So my prayer is, let's know the time of our visitation. Let's say, it's for me right now. Yes. Amen? <laughs> okay, let's go and look at Luke 10. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so when Jesus was on earth, this is all through history, the prophets and the kings that preceded Jesus, they, they would have done anything to be able to, to see Jesus. And these... Even his disciples, they weren't realizing how great. He said, I'm just telling you this in your ear. 
And it's amazing to me. I, I, don't, I don't fully understand yet why, but Jesus all the time would do something suddenly, and then he'd say, don't tell anybody. And he did it in this time. Let's just read this. So, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Psst. <laughs> Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it. And to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So there's, there's a scene of the actual glory of God, of the suddenlies. All through the ages, they've, they've longed to see this, this son of God. And he said, and you're seeing it right now. But there's built into us as humans this gravity back to the natural, the world, the, the things that we're familiar with, and whining and bellyache. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> for some reason. And, and, and what I love is that God does, he's not here to condemn us for this. But he's, he's always, that's why Jesus was crying. He said, they, they just need to be able to see. They just need to be able to know. And that's what he, he's come to do. But you know what? I think one of the biggest dangers, especially in the church, is to miss out on the revelation of Jesus for all the other stuff that's going on. To be doing a parade for him, singing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, having smoke and lights and everything else, and not really knowing him. Not really being. Because something will happen when this does. And, and, and we're getting, oh boy, we're getting to this. Okay. Matthew 16. Uh, knowing who he is, is re, uh, who, he, who he is requires revelation. And it accesses peace-acquiring weapons. Okay? So, here was the problem before the day of Pentecost, I believe. Is it was, the, the human side of us didn't have, couldn't overcome, or it, it, the revelation of Jesus couldn't overcome the human side of us. Because there, it's a spiritual thing that we have to understand. You can't look in the natural and even see Jesus. You can't relate him. That's why we don't, we don't try to relate to him on a natural level. We don't bring him down to our level and say, he's my buddy. He's my, my good old boy, you know. No. <laughs> he's, he's, his ways are higher than our ways. His, his thoughts are higher than our ways. And we have, to, we have to come up. We have to be like Zacchaeus, get up in a tree so we can see him, you know. We have to be able to do that. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am the son of man, uh, who, who, that I the son of man am? So this, this recognition of who he is, he's, he's giving a clue here. It's so critical who you say I am. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some Jeremiah, and the other, or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? I've been living with you for all this time. I've been training you. I've been teaching you. You've been seeing suddenlies. Who do you say I am? Because it's critical for you. Yeah. It's not enough to just experience suddenlies. I don't want you just to be an experience of suddenlies. I want you to be an administrator of suddenlies. Right? Yeah. 
said, so it's very critical that you know who I am. Because just like that widow, it was knowing who that judge was that made it possible for her to do what she needed to do. There is no faith without an action and a belief and a knowing in who you're talking to. <laughs> he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not, has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So what happened with Peter in that moment, and again, he would deny him three times, you know, so, so uh Man, there's this human side of us. It's always crowding in, trying to, to, to remove the revelation of who Jesus is. <clears throat> but he said, you're going to need some help with this. It's going to be my father. And he's going to do it through the Holy Spirit. But, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man, I just real quickly. <clears throat> when you get the revelation of who Jesus is. I've, I've, been, I've been studying on, uh, on some of these spiritual entities that were going on that that Satan actually uh, launched his rebellion against Christ on this rock that they were standing on. It was actually Mount Hermon that they were standing on. And, and he, when he's talking about it, he says, your, your name is Peter. Well, we're standing on a rock and I'm going to build my church right where Satan thinks he's got things started. And, and my church is not going to be a defensive church it's going to be an offensive church. And we, when we go, the gates are, of hell are not going to be able to keep us out. Because we're, and so what he, he does is he goes to hell and he goes down there and he takes care of them, right? But, but he's saying that. And so what happened in the revelation that Peter had of who Jesus was, was a, an, uh, an access to a power over the spiritual entities that makes possible the suddenlies. Okay. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there's this other relationship with, with Jesus that you get when you have a revelation of him. Is now you take on the authority that he's won for you also. Right. Yes. So there's, there's the widow's approach where there's something that we're going to maintain. And it's because we have a relationship with him. We know him. We know what he has. We know he, his authority. But when you get revelation of who he is, you also get identification with his authority also. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen? All right, let's go to John 16. And so we, we see that there's a necessity that, that Jesus told Peter that it's flesh and blood. You're not going to get it in a flesh and blood area. That's why we, we cannot just stay in the, in the mental realm. We cannot just be trying to understand things, sitting around talking about things, about what, how we feel about this or what we've gone through. No, we have to go to the Holy Spirit. Okay. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will do what? Glorify me. So Jesus told Peter, he said, you're not going to be able to do this through flesh and blood. But then he talks about the Holy Spirit that's going to come. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that actually lets you know who I am. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to say, I'm going to show you Jesus. If we're going to have suddenlies, we have to know the one who does the suddenlies. Right. 
We have to have the Holy Spirit to help us know him. To assume that we just know something about the Bible so that's enough? No, we have to know him. We have to know him, and it's only by the Spirit that we can do that. That's why Jesus said, after you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll have power. Because you're going to know the one who has the power. Amen? And then you're going to have faith to do something with that. All right? And so many times we're saying, God, move. God, do something. He says, I need you. I need you to know me. The, the suddenlies always happen through somebody. The revivals always happen through somebody. And it's usually through somebody who's been on their knees, praying in the Holy Ghost, and knowing their God. Yeah. And, and opening up a portal for the suddenlies to, to flow through. Amen? He will declare it to you. Okay. Let's look at this. In Jude 1, it says, <clears throat> so what, what did we see uh, um, back, back in, in, in uh, Luke 19? Jesus was prophesying over Jerusalem, and he said, every, every stone that's in you is going to be brought down. Everything, because you don't know the time of your visitation. There's a crushing. Everything about the purpose of your life gets crushed for a lack of knowing that, that he's here right now, right? But Jude one twenty says, but you, beloved, so where the enemy comes in and tries to, to tear us down and to separate us from the knowledge of what we already have. Here's what the enemy wants to say. You need something else. You need more revelation. You need, and, and, and we need to have revelation of who he is. We do. But, but he's here right now. There needs to be a conviction that I might not know everything, but I know him. I know him right now. And you're not going to separate me from that. Amen. But we need the Holy Spirit to help us with this. Man, I, I just know for myself, things, things change in my perception of God when I decide to set aside, and, and man, I just, let's be challenged in this. It's real easy to, to vegetate on Netflix, vegetate on some movie. People can go watch a movie for two and a half hours, stay wide awake, not go to the bathroom when they have to. But have a tough time just entertaining the presence of God for 15 minutes. Praying in the Holy Ghost for 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, there, there's a scripture that in, in, in Romans 12 that says, uh, and don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say by the word. It just says by the renewing of your mind. Now, the word will be a part of that. But the word without the spirit is no knowing. We have to have the spirit to actually know together. So I, I, man, there's an opportunity when you pray in the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but man, the word comes alive to me. And it's not when I'm silent in his presence. I hear more from his voice as it's coming out of mine. Amen? Okay. Are you good? Yes. So good. Come 
All right. Where there is a knowing of, there is an asking of. So here's where it gets to, we, we start to, to participate in the suddenlies. Is when we start to know the one who does the suddenlies, now it changes our relationship with him. There's a re- reason why the widow was nagging the judge is because she knew what he could do. She started asking him, didn't she? The more she knew about him and the answers that she had for him, what did it put her into? Asking mode. Because where there's faith, if you really believe that he's going to do, he, he, you know, if they the come to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And it's easy just to know that, but I was thinking about this. How much have you asked of God lately? You know, we can just ask ourselves that. Because your, your asking is directly related to your knowing. The more you know of him, the more you'll ask of him. Okay. John 4.10. Jesus answered and said to her, so remember what happened. He's, he, he got away from the disciples finally. He said, Phew. <laughs> finally sneaked away from them. <laughs> it's, like, it's like my dad goes into some of these uh, Raymond churches, you know, and they got all the armor bearer guys at the doors and everything, and, and he sneaks around to the back door, you know, so he can come in the back door by himself. <laughs> you know, it's nice to be honored, but sometimes, you know, you just got to get away. So Jesus, Jesus finally just got away, and, and he's going to get a drink at this well, and, and the widow is there, or not the widow, <laughs> she's not a widow, but maybe she was, I don't know. She'd been with a whole bunch of men. Anyway, she was coming there to, 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 to get, uh, and, and um, he asked her for some water, right? And... Uh, and he, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, ha, huh. and he would have given you living water. Now, I know this is a very practical thing. It's a very real thing, but, but he's slipping over into the analogy realm, isn't he? And there's a direct correlation to if you know then you'll ask. Is that a good example of it? I believe it is. So remember, Jesus is talking again with the widow and the judge. He said, will I find faith? He will find faith where somebody knows him enough to continue asking him for him. We We should be in his presence all the time, believing in who he is, that he's a rewarder of who? Those who diligently seek, what are we seeking? To know him, to know him more. Amen? Okay. So there, there needs to be this recognition that as soon as we know more, now we're put in a position of faith where we can ask in faith. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick, isn't it? Yeah. Amen? And that doesn't come just randomly. I'm so grateful that God, we can, God help me, you know, when we haven't been talking to him forever. But to be a part of the suddenly crew, to be a part of the team that's, that's behind the suddenlies, it's going to take more than just a, a, temp, a, a periodic wailing. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to take a, a maintenance of somebody that actually knows him. Amen? So, so let's go and look here in Luke uh, 1926. And this is the parable. 
You know, there's some different parables, uh, you know, the talents. And this one is, is this, uh, this king is going off to acquire a kingdom. And, and he has some servants that he leaves his wealth with. And, and he, he wants them to increase it while he's gone. Uh, you know, kind of a, a, sim, uh, a familiar um, story. And he comes back and, and the, the ones with the most actually did something with it, right? And the one with the least did nothing with it, and he called him wicked. What was interesting is, is he said the same thing to everybody else that produced anything, no matter what, whether it was a larger amount or a smaller amount. He said, you're faithful if you do something with it. Because you consider what you have to be something that's of worth. And you also consider it to not just be yours, but it to be his. So, I want to make a, a connection here real quick. The more we know him... The more we receive from him, the more we realize that it's, we're a steward of what he's given us. Right. And it's not for us to do nothing with it. We're supposed to do something with it. What is the greatest thing we've gotten? What, what, did, um, what did Jesus tell, tell Peter? He said, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Right? What you bind in heaven will be bound in earth. All right? Or in heaven. What you bind in earth will be bound in Anyway, <laughs> what we've been given, uh, what is the most precious thing that I have right now? It's my salvation, isn't it? It's the revelation of who Jesus is, that, that I'm no longer in darkness. I'm, I'm, I've been brought out of darkness into marvelous light. Yes. Yes. What's the purpose for the suddenlies? The purpose for the suddenlies is to glorify God, yeah, that's right. to reveal who he really is, yes. Right? And in the revelation of that, there's an acceptance of who he is. A purpose is being accomplished. Yeah. So the suddenly is for that reason. We like suddenlies, but the suddenly is evidence of somebody that's been knowing God and asking God. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be for a long period of time, right? Yeah. And so he gets done with all these servants that have done something or nothing. And he says, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So, again, this is, this is challenging, but it's encouraging at the same time. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here, so you can, you can sing out once in a while if you want to. <laughs> but but <laughs> what do we really have in him? Because the more we actually realize who he is and that he's ours, the more responsibility we have. When you, when you, when you value what you have, the higher you value what you have in him, the more you will do with it. And this, this is getting thrown back in our chest, in our, in our plate or whatever, um, if we want more suddenlies, it's all up to us. Amen? How much are we knowing him in the first place? How much does he occupy our thoughts? Right? Did I read? Let me, let me just let me go back here just a second. Oh, I didn't read Jude 1, 20, did I? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, 
praying in the Holy Spirit. So what happened? There's a tearing down that Satan wants to do in the, in the separation from knowing Jesus. But the Holy Spirit comes and he builds us up in our most holy faith. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It says, one of the translations of this, it said, praying continually. Praying continually. Now, I know we don't have to become weirdos, you know. And <laughs> you know it's not like we're supposed to be scaring people off or anything like that. But there's an op- and this is so wonderful that, that we continually have this well of knowing Jesus on the inside yeah. that we can yield to. Yeah. And it's really hard to yield. That's why it says, walk in the spirit and you won't do what? You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because we've been given this access to, it would be just like taking Jesus along with you and say, uh, Jesus, do you mind if I fulfill the lust of my flesh here for a little bit? No. <laughs> when you really know him and you really believe he's here and he's yours, and that's what the Holy Spirit helps us with. Because I, we're all in need of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so we've been given that great tool to be able to do that. I just want to go back and, because ah, yeah, we have to know that, don't we? Um, so <clears throat> let's look at seven, uh, Luke 17. And I just want to, I want to end on this. But it, it does become, it d- does become our responsibility. Uh, starting in verse 6. So, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and I saw this differently when I was looking at this this, this time when we were reading this. Because, and, and sometimes, even, even when you look at some of the commentaries, it's like they want to separate this verse from what comes next. But let's look, it says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But what's the next word there? And the first word in verse seven. What is and? It's a conjunction, isn't it? It's, it connects the two. And a lot of the commentaries say, but there's really no connection between. Well, maybe there is. And I want. So much of what we see like this, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say, maybe we're supposed to be saying. Maybe the more we actually say we know Jesus, that's faith, isn't it? And the more you know, the more you'll ask, right? But the more you'll also have authority, and the more you'll be able to speak over things, and they'll happen. And maybe God says, I've given this to you. I'm going to be coming back. What are you doing with it? Because I want to see some mountains splashing around in the ocean. Because I've given you the, what are you doing? What are you doing with it? You can say this. He says you can. But I think he's implying you should be. This should be our life. To, to, to walk in faith is to be doing things in faith. Doing things like the one we claim to know. The more we claim to know him, the more there'll be his work. He said, you, these works and greater shall you do. Because I go to the fathers. Because you'll even know me more because the spirit's going to be there all the time. And you have no excuses once the spirit's there. Right? So this is what we should be doing. So if we want suddenlies, 
They will happen as a result of our knowing him and responding. Amen? And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep, hang with me on this because I think it's really good, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what our duty, what was our duty to do. Sounds kind of disconnected. But what I'm seeing here, this is just my perspective on this, okay? You can receive it or reject it, but I believe this is what Jesus is saying. saying, what is the greatest in the kingdom? It's a servant, isn't it? A servant to what? The will of God. To know God, to please God, how do we do it? We do it by faith. And we've seen that faith is, is, is a result of knowing who this is, really being convinced of who he is, and then responding to that, right? And so he's talking about this. He said, you know what? Here's a, here's a servant. He's laboring in the field. He comes in. He's got all the rest of his life going on, but he's still supposed to do the, the father's will. He's supposed to do the, the master's bidding. And it's not about him. He's just doing it unto him. He's just doing the, the, the father's will. So much about what we get caught up with in these things, too, is who's doing it, what gift they have, you know, and, and, and all of it. He said, no, I'm just an unprofitable servant. This isn't about me at all. This is about the one I know. And what that does is it liberates you from any weight of being good enough. No, I'm just, I'm just serving the master's will. This is who he is. He's faithful to do these things. So now I'm taking my position as a simple servant. I've got the rest of my life going on. But when it comes to serving him in faith, speaking to mountains, telling him to go, that's why Jesus, when he did all these works, he did them out in the street. He did them, on, he did them walking around in real life. It's because it's real life where this happens. And we don't do it. We're not looking to ourselves at all in this. We're just a servant of faith. We're a servant of suddenlies. That's where the suddenlies need to take place, over the back fence. You know? That's where God wants to have them take place. I believe they're going to happen in this church too, but no. And, and it's on us to do this. If we're going to do it, it's going to have to be knowing him more than some other things. So real quickly... Jesus demonstrated this so much. You know, sometimes we say, well, Jesus started his ministry when he's 30. And, um, but you wonder what he was doing up until that point because you kind of get a clue into it whenever he did have a chance to, to run away from the disciples. What did he do? He went and prayed, didn't he? He went and hung out with his father. That's what he liked to do. Now, he always came back. His, his heart was for the people. But where did he get his ability to do something for the people? He got it from spending time with his father, from knowing. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. 
Well, man, that takes some pretty serious knowing. We're not going to know, we're not going to see anything happen beyond what we see of him. Beyond what we know of him. Amen? But we can look forward to it. We can be encouraged in that. Amen? We can grow in that. Say, God, I'm, I'm talking to you continually. And people are going to be able to, to, to sense your presence because I am. Amen? Amen? And when that time comes for a suddenly to be needed, it's not going to be something that I'm scared of because it's not me doing it. I'm just serving you. I just know you. Amen? Amen? For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Which it exerts over believers. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness even to his death. The blue part? Oh, here's the blue part. Study note. note. To know him, growing in knowing. This passage sums up uh, Paul's primary pursuit in life, to know Christ. From a prison cell in Rome, Paul pens this personal letter in which he comes to terms with an accomplished past and a confining present. After his past as a persecutor of God's people and through his superior religious activities as a Pharisee, Paul came to the liberating conclusion that all is rubbish compared to knowing the Lord. Freed from the stagnation of yesterday's victories and the emotional paralysis of yesterday's mistakes, Paul knew that the only thing that ultimately counted was knowing the Lord and being obedient to his will. Not only was his past sub, uh, subsumed by this singular passion, his present imprisonment could not snatch from him the joy of knowing Christ. Prison chains cannot keep him from pursuing God, nor dull his effectiveness in ministry. Paul's desire to know Christ sprang from no other motive but to enjoy him. He wanted Christ for Christ's sake, not his own. He was a lover of God, not a user of God. And whether he moved in Christ's resurrection power or was stretched to his last ounce of endurance, it mattered little. For Paul... It was all a part of the most fulfilling journey of all, truly knowing God. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Thank you.